Dar es Salaam, which is a coastal city in Tanzania, Africa, is competing to become the largest city on the continent of Africa. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bill Young Grow Wealthy Podcast. My name is Walida Sheree. Today I want to share my experience of visiting Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, so that you can decide if that's the place you would like to get your passport stamped. Without further ado, let's get into this. To get started, let me inform you about 12 things that you need to know before you arrive in Dar es Salaam. First things first, download Duolingo or another language app on your phone and learn basic Swahili phrases and emergency words because Swahili is the local language. There will be people that you come across that speak English. But again, most don't. Speaking English has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages. One of the advantages is that if you meet another person who speaks English, you can communicate. But on the downside, that same person, because you don't speak the local language, could also in some way abuse you by making things more expensive because they see you as more of a currency exchange. Although it seems unfair, it really is just a way of life. Number two, you also need to download Uber and also a currency converter app to your phone. I found these two apps, number one, because Uber is very efficient, like it is here in the U.S., and it's a way to track where you're going and also your spending. When it comes to the currency converter, I like that app because you are going to get your monies in T-shillings, which is the local currency. And when you have that currency app, it kind of helps you to see if prices are fair or not. Even without a Sims card, my app seems to have worked very well. Now, the second thing you need to know is that as of May 4th or 5th of 2021, the Tanzania government imposed new entry restrictions for travelers arriving from out of the country. The third thing you need to know is that prior to you even going to Tanzania now, you now have to take a PCR test, which wasn't always necessary. And the PCR test must be taken within a 72-hour window upon arrival in Tanzania, which means Tanzania is eight hours ahead of Central Time in America and seven hours ahead of Eastern Time in America and 10 hours ahead Pacific Time in America. Just know that whatever time you take your PCR test, you need to immediately convert it into their local time so that you can do the countdown for 72 hours. Because what I would hate is that you get there and your test is now 74 or 75 hours and they tell you that your test is invalid. So be sure that you go ahead and time that perfectly. And although they say you can get it within 48 to 72 hours, I think they are stressing people out because if you don't get the test results, you can't board the plane. And if your test results come back positive, you also can't board the plane. So I just think this is a part of traveling now that for now, at least we must all get acquainted with. So for me, I looked around to try to find where I could get a PCR test and for how much. The cheapest one I found because I don't use health insurance, the cheapest one I found is $145. And because I flew out of Chicago, I took my at Midway Airport when I arrived because I was going to be flying out of O'Hare Airport to fly abroad. The fourth thing you need to do is complete an online health surveillance form, which must be done within 24 hours upon arrival. So make sure you put a timer or a reminder on your phone so that you know 
first, when you need to take that PCR test, and number two, when you need to complete the online health surveillance form, which is necessary in order to gain entry into the country. So I'll leave that link in the description box so that you already have it. The fifth thing is, is when you arrive at the airport, you need to have 25 USD or the conversion of 25 USD in pounds or euros, but they don't take any other currencies. You cannot use a credit card or debit card. They are a cash only site. So you need to have 25 USD cash and they need to be in crisp bills. Now this $25 is going to go towards their own health check to be sure that you are not going to bring a virus inside of their country. So they're going to do temperature checks. They're going to check your online health surveillance form to make sure it's completed. And then they're going to give you a rapid COVID test where you would then need to wait a few minutes for your result to see if you are going to be positive or negative. If you are negative, you are going to be able to go right on to the next step, which is basically going to customs. If you're positive, I believe you have to quarantine for 14 days and you will be responsible for paying for the site to quarantine. Number six, once you arrive in customs, you will need to fill out a quick form saying where you will be traveling to and for how long. You also need to pay for a visa. I pay for the multiple entry visa, which is good for one year and it costs 100 USD cash. Now, the thing is, the one year is not consecutive, meaning you have to leave every 90 days to go to a different country and then come back. I wanted to do the 90-day visa, but when I got to customs, they wouldn't let me do it. I was told if you do things online, it might be a little bit more smooth for you for your visas. So if you don't want to pay $100, I believe the 90 a day is $50 if they are still offering that as an option. So make sure you go online. That way it can already be processed, but be sure you print off your paperwork. These prices are per person. Also be sure that your bills are crisp because they do not take wrinkled bills. Number seven, before you get your bags, you will need to convert your money. So make sure you have cash on hand. So have USD, pounds, or euros to be able to convert in the T-shillings, which is their local currency. I recommend taking about 500 USD, or you can open up a SoFi account well in advance of your trip, so that way you can just pull money from the ATM machine. Depending on how many people are going with you, that should be sufficient enough in order to buy food, buy souvenirs, and pretty much do a lot of stuff because again, our money is going to be weighed more than theirs, so our money can stretch a lot longer. Number eight. Once you get to the baggage claim, there will be people there that can help you to carry your bags, but just know that this is not a free service. In fact, if you allow them to carry your bags, they are going to want an exchange of currency for helping you out. Now, from my experience, when I got my money converted, they gave large bills, um, such as 10,000 T-shillings, which it sounds like a lot, but when you do the money conversion, that's essentially about four to $5 of USD. They don't give you smaller bills, if you have someone to help you carry your luggage, that's essentially where you're going to have to pay them unless you can find a way to get smaller bills. So if you don't want to have to tip 10,000 T-shillings or more, I suggest that you say no thank you and you carry the bags yourself. Number nine, once you exit the final security checkpoint after getting your bags, you will be in Terminal 3. So Terminal 3 is where the international flights come and go. Terminal 2 is where domestic flights come and go. If you choose to use Uber, you will need to walk across the street in order to find your driver. 
They are not going to pull up directly in front of the airport. But if you choose not to take Uber, and even if you do, you are going to be hassled by taxi drivers to take you to your destination. Now, these taxi drivers can be nice. They are mostly um, official, so you make sure you, you find their badges. But they know that you are coming from a place that appears to have a lot of money. So they're going to charge you in USD, but with the conversion of T-shillings. So essentially, what I'm trying to say is that 30,000 T-shillings is not the same as $30 USD. So just remember, number one, everything is negotiable. But number two, you need to know how to negotiate. Otherwise, the cash you just converted is going to leave very fast. Number 10, make sure your phone provider provides service in Dar es Salaam because if not, you need to get a SIMS card. And getting the SIMS cards is supposed to be fairly easy, but you have to use your passport and your passport is connected to your fingerprint. And if immigration hasn't processed your paperwork, then you may have a hard time getting a SIM card. So at least get your first attempt and trying to get a SIM card before you leave the airport. It might be a little bit more, but at least you can communicate. You can use Uber, you can um, call your accommodations. You can do a lot of stuff by having a SIM card versus if you don't like we did, you gotta pay more to get to where you need to go to. Number 11, Uber, like I said, is going to be your cheapest option, not just from the airport, but in general. Because of the fact it is in conversion to our money, it's very, very cheap and it's a flat rate compared to if you have a taxi they can just give you whatever price they feel motivated to give you so i like uber but i will tell you you will come across some uber drivers who will want you to pay cash even though you're using your card to pay just say no if you don't want to agree to the terms you can cancel them as your driver and find a new one and you won't get charged and another thing is is most of the drivers don't speak English well. So you need to have exactly where you need to go in your app to make sure that you get there safely and on time. And like I said, if you have some type of basic conversation starters or basic emergency terms, you can be able to tell them, you know, if you're uncomfortable, if you're hot, if you're too cold, you can tell them those kind of things so that it can be a smooth drive for you. Number 12, I strongly recommend printing off wherever you're going to be staying so that you have a hard copy because in the event you don't have internet service, you're going to be up a creek. I would say stay at a hotel your very first night. Make sure your hotel is in a safe space. It has good reviews, but I recommend staying there first. And if you are wanting to do an Airbnb, scout out the place the next day to ensure that it's up to par to what you see online. Otherwise, you could end up reserving for an extended period of time and not be happy with your stay. It is an inconvenience if you arrive late after midnight and you have a problem and you do not have a SIM card to communicate and you cannot speak the local language. To lessen the barriers that you may have to climb over, I would just say stay at a hotel and then figure everything out during daylight. That way you can at least buy time and figure out where you want to be for the duration of your time. Two of the places that I stayed at in Dar es Salaam that I really like, and I'm going to recommend these two places because I really like them, is the Marriott Pratea, or Pratea, I'm not exactly sure how to say the name. Stay there for three nights, and it was a very comfortable stay. It was your traditional Marriott, you know, hospitality. Um, but they had a really good breakfast. I really like the customer service. I like the cleanliness of the rooms. The prices, depending on how long you need to stay, might not be ideal because that'll eat your money up really fast. But 
it was a comfort thing for me. And so it was worth the price. And when I left there, I ended up staying at C-Space. C-Space is located in Silicon Dar, which is like the technology hub of Dar es Salaam. We met the guy who was in charge. He was really a nice guy to us. It was very clean. The staff was very nice. Like it was in a great location. There was restaurants nearby. It was near anything you needed to go to. If you are an entrepreneur, C-Space is designed for you. So if you go inside of C-Space, there are going to be areas there for you to work and meet people. So just know that will be a great place to go and network. If you're just there, you know, on business or for pleasure, it'll be just a nice chill place to go to. Now let's dive into a little history about Dar es Salaam, also known as House of Peace. In 1862, Dar was just a small fish village because of its close proximity to the Indian Ocean. In the 1880s, it became a pub for Christian missionaries. In 1891, it became under the rule of the German colonial government. In 1914, the Germans finished building the Central Railway Line, and in 1916, the Germans were forced out by the British. The British ruled from 1916 until 1961, and on December 9, 1961, Tanzania, which was formerly known as Tanganyika, gained its independence. Now, this is great news because they are one of few African countries that is independent of colonialism, but they did it without bloodshed. And so for that, I really think this really is house of peace. On April 26, 1964, Tanganyika and the country Zanzibar became one nation, which is now called Tanzania. The Tan, which comes from Tan in Tanganyika, and the Zan, which comes from Zanzibar, if you merge the two names together, you get Tanzania. And so that's just a fun fact that the name itself is literally a merge of the two nations. Now I want to share my top five places that I visited while I was in Dar es Salaam. Number one, the National Museum and House of Culture. I strongly recommend making this your first stop because you will gain so much knowledge about Tanzania and how it played its part in the selling of Africans to the Arab slave trade to the Ottoman Empire. Also how it was colonized by the Germans and the British, which religions were practiced there and are still practiced there today, as well as how it gained its independence and so much more. I strongly recommend that you get a guide as I learned far more from the guide than I did just reading the small excerpts that were posted around the museum. The entry cost is about 10,000 T-shillings per person, which is equivalent to around $4 to $5 per person. If there is a guy available, just know that their prices are negotiable. So just keep that in mind. But I do recommend that you do go, and I recommend you get a guide when you do go. Number two, the slipway. The Slipway is located near the Doubletree Hotel in Oyster Bay. If you are wondering why this place is called the Slipway, you will understand the name if you go close to sunset as you will literally see the water recede where it will be covering a particular rock, for instance. And as the sun sets, you're going to notice the rock is going to be more exposed because the water has receded where it would eventually become the rock will be completely visible and you will even be able to see the floor where the water is. At the slipway, this is also where you will find many expats from around the world congregating, especially on Thursday nights. But besides that, it is a very beautiful scene with cafes, bars, art shops, spas, bookstores, ATM machines, and much, much more. This is also the place to go to take a boat to Bongoyo and Nduya Island, 
which are two beautiful small islands that you can go to to relax on the sand, swim, fish, or go diving. Number three, Oyster Bay. If you are from America, Europe, or the UK, then this will feel a little closer to home because most of the people that live there speak English. They have lots of restaurants with foods that you are familiar with. They have coffee shops where you can socialize or work on your computer. And it's just an overall Western vibe, but with a mix of Tanzania African flavor. Because this is also a place where many expats go to live and also to go for vacation. Number four, Makambusho Village Museum. This is an open-air museum with an admission cost of around 12,000 t shilling per person. It houses a collection of 20 different styles of tribal huts from all over Tanzania. Fun fact, Tanzania has the most tribes in all of Africa. It has 150 tribes that live inside of Tanzania. But at this particular museum, it showcases 20 different tribal homes that will allow you to get a taste of Tanzania without you having to travel all around the country. They also showcase tribal dances, which is an additional cost, but I do recommend that you take advantage of that. They also offer guides, which I really, really recommend because honestly, I almost just gave up the first few minutes of being there because I was tired of reading and I was getting frustrated because I was so hot. But I ended up getting the guide and I'm telling you from my experience, it is well worth it. So definitely if you go, get a guide and also go see the tribal dances and they even have this little forest area. So make sure you check that out too. Number five, Cocoa Beach. This is a very beautiful beach where most locals hang out. If you decide to go to Cocoa Beach, let me say this. I put in Uber, take me to Cocoa Beach and Cocoa Beach is a beach. So there wasn't a legit drop off place. If you decide to go to Cocoa Beach, I recommend getting dropped off at the Oyster Bay Hotel and then you can just walk across the street to get to the beach. Otherwise, you can get dropped off anywhere in Cocoa Beach and trust me, when you get there, you're gonna wish you took my advice and got dropped off at Oyster Bay Hotel. Now moving on to my top five restaurants that I enjoyed. Number one is called Trust the Kitchen which is located in Silicon Dar. This restaurant has a very diverse menu, including local, Italian, American, and Asian meals. I ate there almost every day because the food was delicious, the prices were affordable, and the customer service was superb. Number two, Bean There Cafe, which is located in Oyster Bay, has a really good breakfast as well as lunch and dinner menu. However, my favorite thing was the Southern Goodness Breakfast and of course their smoothies. And you're gonna hear this a lot. I love smoothies, but I really love smoothies when I was over there. Number three, Orchid Cafe, which is also located in Oyster Bay. I enjoyed their breakfast, their pizzas, their wraps, and their smoothies. At least go there for the experience because it is a really cool chill place that at the very least you can go for coffee, kind of like the Starbucks and go with your computer and just be there using the Wi-Fi. Number four, Oyster Bay Cafe, which is located inside of the Oyster Bay Hotel and they have a really laid back vibe. So I really did like that. It was kind of like an upscale yet laid back vibe because you're gonna see all this signage posted and take time and read it, but I thought it was hilarious. I spent a lot of time in the bathroom reading and I think people thought I was in there doing other stuff, but it was entertaining and I'm telling you, you definitely should check it out. As far as food is concerned, I thought it was a bit more pricey for the serving sizes. So for the experience, I would say go because it's across the street from Cocoa Beach. In terms of what you get for the price, I think you could find better options. Number five, Levant. 
which is known for its flavorful Mediterranean food, gives really nice portions, has a good atmosphere, and the prices are fair for the portion sizes. This is also located in Oyster Bay. Now, I have two bonuses for you. Bonus number one, Marriott Protea has really delicious food, and I really do mean that. The food was a bit more pricey, but for the portion sizes, it made up for it. They have local foods, they have American foods, they have all kinds of foods, but especially their India and their Swahili foods or their Tanzania local food was really, really good. And then one more bonus, if you are an ice cream, milkshake, or a banana split type of person, then you must check out Snow Cream. There are two locations, one in downtown Dar es Salaam and the other in Oyster Bay, and I went to both. I'm not even an ice cream person, and if you're lactose intolerant like me, for some reason the dairy didn't hit like it does here in the U.S., so I think you might be okay. But they also have non-dairy options, and I think you'll equally enjoy those because that's what I had the first time, and then I was like, I'm gonna go for the Oreo milkshake the second time, and I, I was okay. So I think you'll be okay either way, but check it out because it's an experience in itself. In closing, I spent about two weeks in Dar es Salaam. There is really so much that I did not include because this will be either a really long audio if you're listening to my podcast or a really long video if you're watching my YouTube channel. And I didn't want you to have to sit through hours upon hours of content. So I tried to give you all the stuff that people would more likely ask, um, but I still didn't even add a lot of stuff because I went to multiple malls that I did not include. I went to major phone headquarters, Tigo and Hellotel, to try to get a Sims card. I went to get my nails and my feet done at an African shop. I got my hair done at a local hair shop. We went to a massage parlor, gift shops. We went to grocery stores. I walked around downtown Dar es Salaam. I thought I was going to take a picture of where the president lives, but apparently that's illegal and you can get shot for it. So be mindful of that. I drove through different neighborhoods to see different types of living. I went to other beaches and I met a lot of people there. I went to the laundromat. So if you have any additional questions that I did not cover in this video, please feel free to leave me a comment and I will get back to you. If you're new here and you haven't subscribed, please consider doing so. If you're back again, welcome. Please share this episode with a friend. And that's all I have for now. Until next time, I will talk to you later.